That was La Poupée qui fait non, co-written and originally performed by French singer Michel Polnareff. You're probably familiar with the tune, if not the name, thanks to the Jimi Hendrix cover, but the name is important. La Poupée qui fait non means the girl who says no. Here's a rough translation of the lyrics. She is a girl who says no, no, no. All day long, she says no, no, no. She is so pretty that I dream about her at night. But without listening to me, she says no. Without looking at me, she says no. I would give my life just to hear her say yes. Now, if you're anything like me, you hear that and feel bad for the singer and wish the girl would give him a chance. Why can't she just stop and listen? The way the singer describes his relationship with this mystery woman is the way I think a lot of us think about fate or bad luck. We want good things to happen for us. Sometimes they do. And when they don't, we shrug and say, oh, well, sometimes bad things just happen to good people. In astrology, we attribute the ideas of bad luck and disappointment to Saturn. I mean, that's why he's malefic, right? We want things. Jupiter and Venus will probably say yes, but Saturn's job is to say no. He is the planet who says no. But let's go back to the song. We have no idea why the young woman doesn't want to go out with this dude. Maybe she's been out with him before and it didn't go well. Maybe she's just not that into him. Maybe she doesn't like the fact that he just considers her a girl and not a human being worthy of a name and identity. The lyrics paint a one-sided picture of what is almost certainly a much more nuanced relationship. And we often engage with Saturn in a similarly one-sided way. Maybe if we learn a little bit about him, we will understand why Saturn says no. And maybe if we put in a little work, he might just say yes. My name is Charles, and this is Astrosplained, Season 2, Episode 20, La Planète qui fait non, Saturn Stories and the Confessions of an Astrologer. Welcome to Astrosplained, where we use the astrology known as Jyotisha to examine the lives of the famous and the infamous. I'm Charles, your friendly neighborhood astrologer. Today is Saturday, Saturn's day. And frankly, it's a day I've been dreading because I had no idea what an episode dedicated to Saturn should look like. Not for a lack of material, quite the opposite. There's an overabundance. Saturn is everywhere in astrology, in a way that other planets aren't. Eh, maybe everywhere isn't the right word, at least not in the strictest sense. In fact, the things and places associated with Saturn, things that are old or thrown away, abandoned buildings, trash heaps, junk food, are things that we would rather avoid. Whereas Jupiter, on the other hand, is the treasury, Venus is the bedroom. Even malefic planet Mars gets to have a little fun because he owns the racetrack. Maybe a better word is deeper. We feel Saturn's impact more deeply than that of the other planets precisely because 
just as he represents items in the exterior world that we turn away from, he also represents the parts of ourselves that we pretend aren't there. Saturn is our secrets and our shadows. And unlike the proverbial bully who will leave you alone if you ignore him, the only way out of Saturn's shadow is through it. So in this episode, we're going to get to know Saturn. I wouldn't say to know him is to love him, but I would say that to know him is to respect him and even appreciate him. Longtime listeners will recall the story of King Vikramaditya's Saresati. During this period, the king's world turned upside down, but when it was over, he was a much humbler man. Saturn offered to grant the king a wish at the end of his Sarisati, and instead of asking to have his wealth and power back, Vikramaditya asked Saturn to spare others the fate that had befallen him. Saturn appreciates the king's humility and rewards him by returning him to his former glory. Did Saturn allow bad things to happen to Vikramaditya? Yes. Was Vikramaditya better off as a result? Yes. Now consider this story. One day, the goddess Parvati invited all the gods to a party to celebrate the birth of her baby, Ganapati. While all the guests gathered around the baby's cradle, cooing at it and telling Parvati how beautiful he was, Saturn lingered in the background. Offended, Parvati demanded that Saturn come look at the baby and pay his respects. Saturn consents, albeit begrudgingly, and as soon as his gaze lands on little Ganapati, the baby's head explodes. Don't worry, the baby survives. Vishnu finds the head of an elephant and uses that to replace the baby's exploded head, and that's why the god Ganesha has the head of an elephant. But for me, the focus of this story is Saturn. Saturn knew the baby could not handle his gaze, and that's why he kept his distance. It was only because of Parvati's insistence that Saturn looked at baby Ganapati. If Parvati had recognized that Saturn's seemingly rude behavior was for her and her baby's own good, her baby would have been fine. In both of these stories, we see why Saturn is considered malefic. In the Saresati story, Vikramaditya doesn't just fall into poverty, he loses his arms and legs. In the Parvati story, a child's head explodes. But these stories also reveal something. Challenges make us grow. In this sense, Saturn is malefic the way Marie Kondo is malefic. The way the original Queer Eye guys were malefic. When they show up, you know you're going to be uncomfortable at first. But in the end, Everyone is always better off when the Queer Eye guys leave and when Marie Kondo does her thing. These stories also reveal something else. Only Saturn can produce this kind of dramatic transformation. But the transformation is almost always hard. That's unavoidable. Saturn is called Shani in Sanskrit, a word related to the English word shun. But Saturn actually has many names, and like Shani, almost all of them denote something unpleasant. 
He is Agu, poor without brilliance. He is Ara, a sea monster. He is Kona, the club or the sharp edge of a sword. He is Murdu, weak and feeble. You get the picture. But even here, things aren't as simple as they initially appear. Yes, Murdu means weak, but it also means delicate. Yes, Kona is the sharp edge of a sword, but he's also a kind of musical instrument. Still, it's said that Saturn has 32 names, and in all fairness, all of them mean something terrible, and a lot of them only denote terrible things. Which brings us to the chart of our friend, Michel Polnacheff, who may have the most Saturn-heavy chart I have ever seen. Michel Polnareff was born on July 2nd, 1944 at 11.52 p.m. in Nerac, that's N-E-R-A-C, France. He has a Capricorn ascendant with Ketu in the first house, meaning Saturn owns his first house and therefore disposits Ketu. He has Saturn in Gemini in the sixth house along with the Sun, Mercury, and Venus. Those last two, by the way, Mercury and Venus are super combust and they are in a planetary war with each other. He has Mars and Jupiter in the eighth house, which is three houses away from the sixth house, meaning Mars and Jupiter are receiving the aspect of Saturn. And this is probably a good time to say that the Sanskrit word for aspect is drishti, which means glance or gaze. So Saturn is looking at Mars and Jupiter in this chart, and you remember what Saturn's gaze did to that little baby. Rahu is in the nakshatra of Pushya, which is owned by Saturn. Saturn, meanwhile, is in Ardra, a Rahu nakshatra that's forming a nakshatra parivartana and suggesting that, in a sense, Saturn is kind of sort of in his own nakshatra. And the moon is in the nakshatra of Anuradha, owned by you guessed it, Saturn. Which means Michel entered this world in a Saturn dasha. In other words, Saturn is touching every single graha as well as the ascendant in this chart, something I've never seen before. Although, interestingly enough, Garth Brooks's Saturn is a very close second. It touches everything except the ascendant. And P.S. The ma sound, as in the M in Michel, is traditionally a Saturn sound. So is the P in Polnareff, now that I think about it. Huh. So let's talk about Michel Polnareff. He became famous in the late 1960s when La Poupée qui fait non became an unexpected success. This occurred during his Mercury son Bukti. That this fame was sudden and unexpected is important because Polnareff has a Viparita Yoga, which forms when the lords of at least two bad houses occupy other bad houses without forming a Parivartana. The bad houses are the third, the sixth, the eighth, and the twelfth. The lord of the third and twelfth is Jupiter, and he's in the eighth house in this chart. The lord of the eighth is the sun, and he's in the sixth house. And since this rise in fame happened during a Sanbukti, the yoga was active. But pretty much right off the bat, it was clear Polnareff was different. 
An atypical character, as his Wikipedia page puts it, he constantly changed his image, sometimes wearing dark glasses to look extra dramatic. I am not at all fashion savvy, but I bring this up because Rahu and Ketu represent odd things and disguises. Remember Rachel Dolezal? And Michel Polnareff has Rahu in his ascendant. The dark glasses are especially important, and you will see why in a minute, so stick a pin in that. And it wasn't just his looks. One of his early hits could only be played after 10 p.m. in France because it was considered pornographic. Rahu and Ketu are boundary pushers. And did I mention that they rule odd things? In 1968, Paul Nachef released Le Roi des Fourmis, The King of the Ants, a song whose lyrics make absolutely no sense, even though it's a catchy tune. And this is not just me being shady. Someone actually tried to translate it and cover the song into English and gave up because the song is untranslatable. Now, at about this time, Polnareff also released Sous quelle étoile suis-je né? Under what star was I born? Whose lyrics are peak Saturnian introspection, complete with repeated references to l'heure de ma mort, the hour of my death. Anyhow, during Mercury Rahu, not long after Paul Nareff became famous, his best friend died by suicide. His romantic partner dumped him, and he became very sick, losing temporarily his vision. He fell into a deep depression. He got better eventually, physically and emotionally, but he never completely recovered his sight, which turned the dark sunglasses he used to wear as a disguise into a necessity. Here's where I should probably say that another of Saturn's names, Kana, means blind in one eye. Then, in 1973, his mother died and his manager ran off with all his money, leaving Polnareff completely broke and causing him to flee to the United States. This all happened during his Mercury-Jupiter period. Mercury is in the sixth house with Saturn, which means a few things. First, any house Saturn occupies or aspects indicates the areas of life where you will experience problems. The problems may be external to you, like, say, your manager steals all your money, because the sixth house is the house of people who work for you. They may be internal, like, I have Saturn in my third house, the house of writing, from which he aspects my fifth house, the house of creativity. Now I think I am a pretty good writer, but nothing scares me more than having people read what I wrote. I can speak in public any day, but don't ask to read my writing. Just don't do it. And of course, Saturn is the outcast. And naturally, Michel ends up leaving his homeland for reasons beyond his control. But then, in 1989, during his Venus Moon period, he made a surprise trip to France. A song that he had recorded became an overnight hit in his native France. He released an album in 1990, which was a huge success. <laughs> that album, by the way, was called Kama Sutra, in case you forgot that this was Polnareff's Venus Dasha. He had cataract surgery in 1994 during Venus Jupiter. Jupiter is the lord of the 12th hospitals in the 8th illnesses. And Venus is in the 6th house, the house of surgery. 
They gave a huge concert in the U.S. in 1995, which was released as a live album, which went platinum in France. Paul Nareff was back. And then, nothing. For decades. He released a song or two here and there, but the album that he said for years and years was forthcoming didn't actually come until 2018. The album was appropriately titled Enfin, At Last. And I suppose now is as good a time as any to mention that another of Saturn's names, Mandu, means slow. Now, meanwhile, his personal life was messy. His girlfriend, gave birth to a boy in December of 2010, when Polnareff was 66 years old. But then he discovered that the baby was not biologically his. Two things here. For children, we want to look at the fifth house, the fifth lord, and Jupiter. The fifth house is fine, but its lord, Venus, is in the sixth house, with Saturn and the sun. Jupiter, meanwhile, is in the 8th house with Mars. But beyond that, this story reveals one of Saturn's more subtle meanings. Saturn brings what my teacher brilliantly calls once-removedness to every part of the birth chart that he touches. And you can think of once-removedness as an asterisk or a well, actually, dot, dot, dot. Here's what I mean. If Saturn is closely associated with your third house, and particularly if he is closely associated with your third house and the lord of your third house, you will very likely have half or step siblings. The third house is the house of siblings, but Saturn's influence brings you siblings with an asterisk. They're your siblings, but actually, technically, that's once removedness. In Polnareff's case, the lord of his fifth house, the house of children, is with Saturn. And Jupiter, the significator for children, is aspected by Saturn. And what do we get? A child who isn't really yours. I would also underscore that Saturn represents delays, and I would say becoming a dad at 66 counts as a delay. But here's something interesting. Polnareff and his girlfriend separated for a few months, but then they reunited, and as far as I know, they are still together. And to me, this is the ultimate expression of Saturn. It's what happens when you get Saturn right. If you learn to roll with the punches that Saturn throws at you, and Polnareff has thrown many punches, Saturn will take care of you. Polnareff remains famous in France. His music has been covered by all sorts of people, from Jimi Hendrix to some rapper named Necro. His music was featured in a 2004 Korean drama. Which brings us to the last Saturn name that I'm going to throw at you today. Tarani Tanaya, which means moving forward, enduring, carrying on. And on a personal note, I've got my own Saturn story to tell, if you will indulge me.
I was born into a Ketuda shop, but I only saw about a year and a half of that before I moved into my Venus Dasha. The Venus Dasha is the longest of all the Dashas at 20 years. I entered it as a baby, and I left it during my senior year of college. Now, Venus is the planet of romantic partnerships, and my Venus is in the sixth house, with Mars, forming a Parivartana with Saturn. Not only that, but Saturn owns my seventh house, the house of the spouse and the romantic partner. And my seventh house, by the way, is empty and it's aspected only by the moon. That's it. Not a lot going on with my seventh house. So if we apply our tried and true formula, we see I have an average seventh house, an exalted malefic seventh lord, and a Venus who is sitting in the sixth house with another exalted malefic in a Parivartana with an exalted Saturn. So my relationship prospects were always going to be slim. And since Saturn represents areas of our lives about which we are anxious and insecure, my lack of luck with men was a constant source of bitterness. A bitterness which later turned into a depression that almost consumed me. But after lots and lots and lots of therapy, I was able to see how many opportunities I would have missed if I had been successful in pursuing the various men of my past. And I include my current job on that list of opportunities. If I had had my way with a certain man in Spain, I literally would not be sitting here right now. All that time I spent pining away for dudes high school, in college, in grad school, was Saturn saying no for my own good. And then one day, while I was on vacation in Europe, I met a beautiful man who, to my unending surprise, was utterly smitten with me. There was a misunderstanding and each of us thought the other had a place where we could spend the night. Neither of us did and we ended up making a last-minute Airbnb reservation. We arrived at the host's apartment minutes after making the reservation and explained the situation. The hosts, an elderly Italian couple, graciously allowed us in, even though they had not been expecting anyone. My gentleman friend and I stayed in their guest room, and that was one of the happiest nights of my life. Now, you probably don't see a whole lot of Saturn in that story that I have just told you. And that could be because I spent most of this episode reminding you that Saturn once made a baby's head explode. And I certainly don't want you to see too much of Saturn in this, because I am still the person who came into this world with Venus in his sixth house, splitting a one-bedroom with Mars, and in a Parivartana with Saturn. That's not going to change. But I would draw your attention to the following. Saturn owns my seventh house, the house of relationships. He is in a Parivartana relationship with Venus, the planet of relationships. He also aspects my twelfth house, the house of foreign people, foreign places, and bedroom pleasures. Saturn is also the planet of old people. And so 
while, yes, Saturn did once make a baby's head explode. I do think it is significant that the story that I told you took place in a foreign land with a foreign man in the guest bedroom of an old couple. I have to believe Saturn played some role in that. Which is not to say that deep down, Saturn is secretly Mr. Rogers. Far from it. Saturn does not want to be your neighbor. He's not kindly high school guidance counselor like Jupiter. He's not your after-school study buddy like Mercury. He is not the girl who somehow manages to be the prettiest, the smartest, and the nicest like Venus. Saturn is the headmaster. His job is to keep you in line. Now, if you behave and eat all your vegetables and clean your room and walk the dog, then maybe once in a while, Saturn will say yes. This is where I would normally say, here's how you can contact me, yada, yada, yada. But Saturn isn't a huge fan of self-aggrandizement, so today I'm going to do things a little differently. Now, every episode of this show is an homage to the brilliant astrologers that I have been lucky enough to study with and learn from. And this episode is no exception. But today I want to say explicitly to my teachers and to my teachers' teachers, you have my eternal gratitude. Jyotish is one of my great joys, and I wouldn't have it if not for you. As for you, Shani, I'm not due for my next Sati Sati until 2034, but I'm hoping that with this show, I can bank a few brownie points to cash in the next time you come knocking. For the rest of you, I am Charles, your friendly and thankful neighborhood astrologer. Happy Saturday, and thank you for listening.